Gotham worse. I, you could just randomly, if you're like really looking for him, see him. I don't know. He took medication yesterday, so should be all right. But all right, well, yeah, we're live. It is June 30th, and market looks like it's gonna be flat. Yesterday ended up being a massive day. I think the news of Boeing testing their 737 Max and having the test, at least the first part of the test, go successful is part of what drove the market higher. And also, you know, historically, this is just a hot time for the market. So Boeing, I mean, Boeing ended up being up like 14 or 15 percent on the day. Yeah, I got out at like 185 completely. I figure there's going to be some pullback again where I can get them. I, I made a nice profit on them short term because I had a 164 entry point. And I just figured it was a good profit taking opportunity on that run up. I'm sure it'll go up a bit more, but the way this market's been acting, I figured it was, I, I, there were too many times with Boeing where I shot myself in the foot and didn't take advantage of that. And I just decided to finally do it. Yeah. I mean, never a bad idea to take profits. I day traded Boeing a little bit yesterday and was able to kind of just chase it higher all day. It's crazy the way that thing ran up. And then also, I think what helped was Southwest Airlines got that upgrade, which I think added to the Boeing momentum. I'm still hesitant when it comes to the airlines because I keep remembering a couple weeks ago when Boeing came out and said that one of the airlines is one of their clients being one of the airlines is going to go bankrupt. So it wouldn't shock me if you see like an American Airlines or one of the, one of those airline companies go bankrupt. So I'm kind of eerie about those. I look at those as a good trading play, whether you're going to short them or go long temporarily on them. But there's I kind of think I'm starting to think what's going to happen with the airlines. We're going to see another rally with them when we see in a couple of weeks that these all these cases were mostly young people and it's not as bad as people think with the hospitalizations. I just can see. I saw this morning hospitalizations now is way up in California. It's starting. Well, yeah, but think about it. The population in California, right? Like when you look at the data in these places, it's like Texas, California, states that are huge. So I think that's a bit deceiving in the scheme of things. I still, like I was saying yesterday, think that we're probably going to see some sort of mini bull run in this market for the next maybe week to maybe even three weeks. And then I think the market's going to see a ton of volatility again. It seems like each time volatility starts up on the downside, it gets a little bit worse. And I don't think the airlines are in a good position right now. I think they're in the same spot as a lot of these retail companies like Macy's. And don't get me wrong, the airlines, like people are going to fly. But I think there's a difference between people flying again and the airlines having healthy balance sheets and being in good shape. And I I wouldn't be surprised if you see one of the big ones file bankruptcy. I think when Boeing came out and said that that was going to happen, it was a it was their way of warning the public because they obviously know it. It's their clients. So when that happens, it's going to shake up the entire industry. And until them, I'm just a little hesitant on it. Next thing, um, yesterday we should talk about for a minute. So Lululemon buying Mirror, which is that at home fitness company, for five hundred million dollars. Thought that was a great play. Very good play. Yeah, it just shows that. You know, companies like that, companies like Nike, they're going to eventually be way more than just an apparel company. And it kind of just 
gives you an idea as an investor of behind closed doors what that company's up to and just keeping their eye on the big picture and constantly evolving. That's why I like when you think of Apple's future, I think there's a lot of synergies with Peloton. And I, I really would not be surprised if at some point when we're, that's way more of the narrative with wearables, when you think of what, what Apple's really working on with Fitbit and that whole movement, you've got to think that Peloton is going to be on their radar. There, there's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, look, I think the biggest issue with Peloton is their valuations gotten so out of control that they're going to be a tough takeout target. But look at Lulu real quick here. Do, have you ever owned Lulu? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an interesting chart because they've essentially dipped about 10% off their highs in this last little correction. And now with this latest news are going to open back above 300. But it's uh, it's definitely interesting. It's another stock that I think when the market sells off again, it's going to come down with it and exactly i think there's a much i love lulu but i think we can get a buying a better entry point than where it is right now like what worries me there is when you think of them luxury comes to mind and i think there's a lot of with the unknowns in the economy and even reading up on you know people with disposable income being hesitant to do too much consumer spending with the what ifs with the virus if they're going to have to take care of their family getting sick that makes me a bit hesitant about buying a lulu in a spot like this. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't even personally think that they're going to be, that their actual business is going to be affected by this as much as I think the market's just going to see a bigger correction around the corner. And when it does, there will probably, and who knows, but you would think you'd probably be able to get into Lulu at a much lower point. Like I would personally, I'll jump on the Lulu bandwagon with you. Let's just see that thing drop another 10, 15%. That's where like, we could see that in the 250, 260 range. Yeah, I think the same exact thing. There we go. Let's bring that up for a second because we're on the same page. It seems like with seeing these charts, how we read them, let's go over for the viewers why we are thinking that. Like dive into that chart here for a second. All right. Well, I mean, you could make either cases for Lulu. I mean, if we're going off of looking at the peaks and looking at the lows. Well, where we came up with that whole range of the 250, 260 is what I'm saying. With the well, on, the high, on the high end, I'd be looking right here when Lulu was right around 263. And then you looked at its recent high at the beginning of June, which is right around 323-ish. So if you went further out, you could make the case that it's going to go even higher. But then if you look at the low points and you start down here, which is the March lows when you had it at about 144, and then you could meet the next little peaks and kind of go all the way up. And the next one would be 242. And then the one after that, which is the most recent one, would be about 294. So it all boils down to whether or not it's going to trend with the bottom peaks or going to trend with the up peaks. And that's where I think based on the bottom peaks and just the overall direction of the market, if it comes back down, you'll be able to possibly get another entry level point at this area which is where not only it gaps down right before March when the big correction happened, but also where it b- gaps back up before the next 
really big new gap in June, but this is kind of where it got to in May. So I, I'm just, uh, I believe that the market ran up as it should have because the original sell-off might have been a bit of an overcorrection. But then once it got to about this point, it, it just took off in a way that just was getting a little too ahead of itself. So now I think you got to retract yourself eventually and get back to a normal year of gains. And, that, and that's where I kind of look at that level with Lulu. And yeah, again, and it all boils down like you could what's interesting about lulu and why it's so cool looking at these charts is you can make either case for lulu like it wouldn't be that hard to also make a bullish case for lulu where you see the tips of these charts go from 203 all the way up to 262 all the way up to 323 so at some point i think lulu breaks through 350 and is trading really higher but at some point, definitely. But the yeah. question is, is that point before it goes back? I don't think so. Yeah, and I think anybody's guess on really, like you could really make a strong case right now for the market kind of shaking off the recent volatility that it's had since June 8th and just storming way higher. But then it's really easy to make the case. I know we were talking about this yesterday a little. If you just look at the last month and you really look at what's been going on since the beginning of June, the market peaked at the beginning of June and it dipped hard. It tried to rally right here. It was shot down hard and then it dipped even lower, tried to rally again, didn't even make it to the first false peak when it got rejected and then got rejected again and then came all the way back down. So, and I, and I know this is just Lulu's chart, not the actual overall market chart, but it's a very similar story. And that's when, you know, if that continues, what you could possibly see are little false rallies that are met with way bigger declines. And it almost looks like each decline wants to get bigger. And that's where I'm just, uh, you know, you, you hear everyone saying stocks only go up, stocks only go up. Yeah. But again, well, long term, I think that's what the, you know, it's more about uh, eventually if you bet on humanity, you know, succeeding and progressing and growing as the world population goes up, the market has to go up. And you could even so, make the argument that what happened due to the coronavirus was something that was possibly going to happen anyway. And the coronavirus just pushed the market to that breaking point. I mean, if you look at the longer term chart here, and Mike, I know we've been aggressively playing the market for like about five years now, but there's no doubt that the volatility gets bigger each time. And when you look at what happened at the well, end of 2000, let's keep in mind too. I think a lot of that is how many new investors there are, right? When you think of the level of people, seriously though, when you even break down five years ago before Robinhood, I think is a big proponent of that, of people having access to information that they never had at their fingertips five years ago. That has to come into play to, to some extent with the volatility. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. There's definitely something to be said for that and how easy it is to move in and out of stocks. But I don't think you can look at a long-term chart and not be a little frightened by how aggressive the volatility has been between 2018 and now. And 
you know, anybody who doesn't think there's another one of these huge V's to the downside coming, I think is just not really being realistic with themselves about what the market's been clearly showing us that it's doing. And I think there's a lot of careful investors out there right now that are looking at these charts and not thinking like, oh, we're back. And we, we I just think so. I, I think a lot of this, though, the bright side that I take from this with the pandemic is it's going to set up for a lot of new job creation. For example, if this infrastructure bill comes to fruition, which has been needed in our country for decades, and now this will push it to fruition, even when you think about legalized gambling. We don't even talk about that and marijuana. How many jobs can be created from those things? A lot. So I, I think that I'm, I'm personally bullish heading into this stretch. I think we're going to have a, another leg. Even when you look back at the financial crisis, Dan, and how much money was on the sidelines throughout this so-called bull market the last decade, I, don't, I still don't necessarily think we've just had a full bull market that's over at all. I, I think we might actually be getting ready for another leg up. I mean, look, we you could definitely make a lot of strong comparisons to what the market's doing now to shortly after 2008, when we know it went on one of the most historic bull runs ever. So and there, that could be where we're heading when you could, think about it. it. It definitely could be and time will tell. And I think uh, that's what I'm, I personally believe that I have a strong conviction that we will have the roaring 20s. Even when you look at like after the 1918 flu that happened, back, think about that. The bull in me, Dan, when you look back at America, the 1918 flu, the fact that we got over that and it led into a great stretch, obviously from there, there was the Great Depression years later, which was a disaster. But I do think we are setting ourselves up here for a nice run. I, yeah, I just I, I, I know what you mean. And I can appreciate the comparison to the 1918 flu. I just think so much has structurally changed with well, think about know, the fact that we were able to get through that with the lack of infrastructure and healthcare compared I'm just comparing it to the coronavirus. Yeah, but you, almost, you almost got through that in a more normal manner where things fell apart as they were supposed to. And then like anything, things resurfaced from from the ruins. Whereas here, there's been this attempt to kind of just inflate things and not let things fall apart and not let companies that should fall apart due to something like this actually fall apart. And again, I, I keep going back to what happened in 2018 and I don't necessarily think what's going on in the markets is only just because of the coronavirus as much as that's been what's put it over the edge. It's not, but it's definitely a culprit. To, it's, it's created a great excuse for the printing money to be done at another level. And, and then where I think there's the, the U.S. government and the banks have learned their lessons a lot from the financial crisis. And I think tools have been implemented to allow us to have a cushion on another level than we're even realizing here. Yeah. I think there's stuff in play that no one's talking about or understands that is going to ensure that we are on another level here of the market.
Well, that's why, like you saw yesterday, the government came out, the Fed came out and said how they like bought, bought Apple's bonds and they're starting to buy these bonds that they said that they were going to do. And they're clearly doing it with strong companies at the beginning. And uh, I, you kind of ask yourself like, well, why are they buying Apple's bonds? Like they don't need to do that. But then you kind of think, well, maybe it's just because they want to show the world that they're actually starting to do that, which is what they said that they were going to come out and do. And mm -hmm. that really gives people a sense of comfort is when you see the Fed buying up bonds from all these big time companies, there's definitely somewhat of a bottom put into place there. You're just creating a situation now where the Fed's so involved in what's happening with the market that they can't really undo what they're doing. And, good and what, when you say, when you say they can't undo and, and so what, that's my rebuttal to that. Well, yeah. I mean, and that, that's where it gets interesting. And I, I don't really know the answer to that. Dan, we always hear and talk about the whole what ifs, like this can only happen for so long. Dad's been even saying that for decades where he's thought that. And at the end of the day, sure. But until that is the case, it's hard to bet against, right? It's yeah, like just when that, yeah, but when that's the case, that'll be the case in the snap of a finger. And if you're not positioned for it, you're not going to be able to position for it. I don't. I think that's a much bigger ramification than just worrying about losing money in the stock market. If that actually does happen, we're talking about much different world order problems. If that happens, that the U.S. is not what we've known it anymore is the reality. <laughs> so that that I think is a completely different conversation about world powers and. The, the hierarchy in the world until that happens, which I don't see happening in our lifetime. Well, I could see, I could see the NASDAQ easily crashing to 8,000 without the United States changing at all, just because it's acting in such an irrational way. And anytime you have that type of shape that I have on the chart and a run up that we've had and stocks that are going up 25% a day, for the last two and a half weeks, every single day with no rhyme or reason. Well, yeah, certain stocks are obviously going to fall to shit, but that's again, as we know, a lot of that are not even stable companies that are doing these things. Yeah. So that's where I'm, I'm with you. It's the wild west and individual stock picking with a lot of this stuff, but the market itself, I, I think is actually fine. Well, time will tell. It's, um, it's definitely an interesting time with that. So another, just on the notes of acquisitions. So I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Cody or Cody, C-O-T-Y, the makeup company, bought a $200 million stake in Kim Kardashian's makeup company yesterday. The Wests are just killing it. First it was Kanye with the with the yeah. gaffers, and now Kim with that. It makes her worth, I think, like $900 million. Power of personal branding. Yeah, I, I looked at them pre-market. It didn't really look like they were doing much, which is surprising because it seems like anytime any company gets any sort of news right now, they're just going through the roof. But they're they're down a little pre-market and they're not really showing up on the radar of high volume stocks right now either. A company that is showing up on the radar of high volume stocks is Uber. And it looks like they're going to close an acquisition of Postmates. There's a lot of uh, yeah, I think that's good news for our business. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think Uber, being that it's one of the stocks this morning that's coming on the radar of having high volume, I, I think this is going to be an interesting day trading stock. Let's do it. I'm with, yeah. I was thinking that this morning when I saw that news on the Postmates deal. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Uber plows through these levels and just 
gets above 31.25 fairly quickly. And that's a good point you bring up. I think something for us to talk about, like we brought up a little on our podcast yesterday, the headline era we're in, where anytime we hear about stocks, like a takeover bid or anything in the news, it naturally makes for an interesting day trade opportunity the next day, right? Oh, big time. I mean, you know, Micron's another one that had really, really good earnings yesterday. And it's kind of funny when you think about it, because I was saying earlier how you have stocks like Workhorse, which one of these electric van companies that the chart makes no sense. The company has run up 300% in like a week and it's going to come right back down. I actually tried getting in a short position yesterday and I wasn't even able to borrow the shares because there's so many shorts out for it. And don't get me wrong, I mean, this stock could touch 16, 17, 18, 20, who knows? But when it comes down, it's coming down fast. And this is kind of one like of the- Fastly yesterday, what you called. Like that was down huge. And, and, and to me, that's just the beginning of how much lower it's going to go because and that's where, where, where I was getting with that, though, is it's crazy to me because then you look at a company like Micron, which had blowout earnings yesterday, and they kept their guidance in check. Or no, they actually increased their guidance. So this is clearly a company that's onto it right now. They're doing good things. The pandemic's helping. There's a lot of demand. They deal with memory chips. So I'm sure it's huge with the video games and just everything going on right now. And you would think extended hours just based on everything that's been happening lately, it would be up a lot more. This is another stock that I'm probably looking at day trading today because I just, here, let me pull it up on got the wrong screen up right now. But this is like, these are stocks that if you have the opportunity pre-market, and again, I'm not saying to do it because this is not an advisory type of show, but more so an opinion thing. But like, like based on what's been happening in the market, this seems like a stock that, and there's no guarantee, but when you look at what's happening pre-market here, there's if it gets back above 52, it could really break out. And by really break out, I mean, normally you'd think this stock would move five to 8% after earnings, but with the recent volatility that's been going on in the market, it wouldn't shock me if you see this stock go up 15% today. So I'm looking at Micron and Uber right today for day trading stocks. And I might look to buy both of them pre-market with pretty quick stopouts in case I'm wrong and they go the other way. Uh, What's up? Yeah, no, I like where your head's at with that. Yeah. So like if I were to buy, I might even do a stop limit on quote and only actually buy it if it wants to power between 52. So what I would do is I would set my, or my limit price, my stop price to 52, which means that once the stock went above 52, it would turn it into a buy order. And then a limit price is the most I'd be willing to pay in case it just plows through 52 without giving me the chance to buy. So if I did this, it would be me basically only buying the stock if it ends up running up instead of just buying it now. So take us through this, Dan. Basically, you're buying this at if it hits 52? Yeah. So like, and it's something, and obviously that goes against how you would normally look at buying a stock when you want to get it at its lows. But what I've been 
with, with the if you're day trading a stock, a lot of the times you're looking to buy a stock off of the momentum pops. So a lot of the times you want to wait to see if the stock's going to break through certain levels to see if it's then going to break out even more. And most most of the times those levels happen to be even obvious levels. So like the quarter level, the 50 cent level, the 75 cent level and the $1 level seem to be levels that hold true more often than not. So with a stock like this, you would think 52 and I'll pull up the chart here, but basically looking at pre-market 52, 25, 52, 40 ish, that whole area is where it started to see resistance. So if it gets back above 52, the question is, is it going to plow through those levels? And if it does, it could easily go up to 52.50 and then even, you know, possibly 53. So why, and, why did you put a stop price in at 52.10? Well, no, that would be when I would actually get in because right now, if you look at the pre-market chart, maybe the stock opens and it continues to just go down. Like it, it had that initial spike where it went up to, you know, 52 and about a quarter, 52 and 35 cents. I think the high of the morning was 50, 52.40. And then it came back down and now it's trading at 51.45. So you want to see it get back in the uptrend in order to see that it's going to break out, which I think it probably will. But if it doesn't do that, it can easily go lower. So instead of buying it now where it's kind of like treading neutral, you could set it where your buy trigger goes in if it starts to trend back above. So that way, if it gets back above 52, then the chart's kind of symbolizing that. So wait, when you put a stop limit at 52.10, what is that triggering? That's, so just to, just to be Hold clear. Hold that back up, that trade, because I'm... Okay. So, and this is different than a sell order. If you do a buy order and you just did stop on quote, for example, that would mean that you could buy it when it gets above a certain point. So it's kind of like the opposite of what you would normally do, where you're actually trying to buy it higher because you're trying to catch it in a, in the, in a momentum swing trade. And if you do the stop price, it's going to turn it into a market order once you get at that price. So if I did a stop price of 52 and or just said a thousand shares at 52 if micron doesn't get back up to 52 i'm not gonna buy it so if i'm wrong and it doesn't start to break out i'm not buying it and if it ends up staying at these levels or gets up to 5185 and then has like a failed attempt to get to 52 but never does i'm not buying it but so if it stop on quotes a great way to basically help fight through the resistance where it makes you more confident to go ham if, if it reaches a certain momentum trigger. It's definitely a way to be more disciplined when you're day trading because that way, yeah, you're not buying until it starts to actually break out. And that's when, if you kind of watch the charts when you're day trading pretty closely, you'll see once it gets through levels, like it was kind of interesting to watch with Tesla yesterday when it broke through that 988 level and wanted to get up to a thousand. You see once it breaks through its last level where it was kind of treading neutral, it plows up to that next level. And that's kind of where it was with Micron this morning, where it was at that like 52.50. It's really 52.50 that if it gets through 52.50, it looks like it's going to just soar to new highs on the day. And yeah, it allows you to be disciplined and not take a bet on a stock if you think it's going to go up before it actually starts to make the move. And then, you, you know, you could do the same thing when you're selling.
But where? How about the limit when you put a fifty-two ten there? So if you stop limit on quote instead of just stop price, the, here, so here's the thing: if you just do a stop price, what happens is it turns your order into a market order when it gets above that point. So if I did a stop, so not a limit price, it automatically just buys it. Yeah. So if I did my stop price at 52, once it gets to 52, it's going to turn this into a market order. And if so I can't it, that be a bit risky if they just end up letting you buy it above where it is. Well, that's why you want to do the stop limit on quote because oh, then, so then you can't buy it over 52.10. Yeah. Or whatever you put your limit price as. And so then it's you, almost like, it's like a limit order pretty much. It is like a limit order. It, yeah, exactly. But the thing with the limit order is if you just do a limit order, it's if you put a limit order right now in at 52, it's at 51.65. So this system is going to understand that it's allowing you to buy the stock under your limit order. So it's going to go ahead and execute that. So you don't want to do a limit order. If you're, oh, okay. I see. You know what I mean? Like if you're you're taking, a trade, you, you want to have a stop limit because you're doing it off of the resistance and support. You're doing it off the momentum. So like, yeah. I don't want to buy Micron at this level. I want to buy it. You only want to buy it if it goes to 52 or else it's not going to do what you want for a day trade. I if, got if those are the numbers you're looking at, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah. And then, yeah, so the stock. And that's good for our viewers to know too, because that's yeah. definitely not something I think most people would even understand. And again, the stop on quote turns it into a market price. So if you, again, catch it during a momentum swing and you have your stop price on stop on quote at 52, you might not get, you might get in at 15, 52 and a quarter. And then you just missed out on a quarter per share, which is a ton that that could be your entire profit play for, for the trade. So yeah. when you do stop limit price, you at least then say like, okay, if it's running hot, yeah, I want to turn it into a market order at 52, but I'm not going to let it get higher than 52.15 without executing, and then it'll execute. So based on that, trades of the day, my trade of the day, I think it's going to be Micron. Uh, I'm going to kind of play it the way I've been talking about, where once we get off here, I'm going to look at the levels again. And I'm going to join you on the Micron Uber bandwagon, Dan. Keep me in the loop on that. And then yesterday, as you know, I went on, I bought some Mondelay, MDLZ, and some Hog, Harley-Davidson. And I also, for the first time ever, bought penny stocks those three psychedelic drug companies that we went over yesterday. So a couple of them popped, right? Yeah. They're up nice to start. So, you know, those are not short-term plays by any means, but MindMed is the one Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful, invested heavily in, which is very interesting. He's extremely bullish on that sector for good reason. I was talking to Connell about it last night. When you think about before we get off here, just quickly, the micro dosing, the future of that, it's so cheap, Dan. The margins on those things are unbelievable on a whole nother level than cannabis. So I, I think when that starts coming out more, you're going to see VC money chomping at the bits. Yeah. I mean, I think we're so early on that, but you're not as early as you think, though. There's FDA approval coming very soon. Well, so, yeah, look, I, I like where your head's at. I think that's really getting ahead of a trend and it's super speculative. So, any Until other it's not right. Until yeah. people are prescribing their kids instead of pills. No, we've always we've always learned from Bob, who will be back on the show in a few days. That those types of companies could easily go to zero. So you don't want to throw more than you know a few hundred bucks, maybe a few grand, depending on your situation. And but, a couple pop though. The, there's a couple winners that are real winners there, and they yeah. that's where you get next level returns for sure. Who bought Amazon in the nineties? 
All right, I'm ending the broadcast. All right, guys, make some money.